the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Free podcast. I'm Bud Elliott. That's Chris Hummer. That's my best impersonation of Chip Patterson, who is not with us tonight. But today is the day. It is the day that the transfer portal opens in college football at the FBS level. Chris, we're already seeing a record number of players enter the portal. Chris Hummer is our man on the scene. He is the portal scoop god. Hummer, man. Uh, slow day, huh? Yeah, just a casual Monday, you know? Nine hours of television, about 8,000 names in the transfer portal. It's been, it's been an interesting one, but um, I had somebody tell me this is the most important day on the college football calendar moving forward, and I don't think there's any question about that after watching the results of the day. It, it is uh, quickly approaching, if not exceeding, what we usually see on signing day in terms of, of importance to the sport, how much these rosters will change and, and coaching careers will be made or break, you know, honestly, on what we see. What, what is your just sort of biggest takeaway for this recap video for Cover 3. If, if, if you're an audience member at home, what's the one thing you took away from today that's like, wow, got to know this? Well, it's got to be quarterback movement. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around everything that happened, but I think, like, aren't half the starters in the ACC in the portal, basically? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, six or seven are in the portal yeah. already. And I think last, I think we'll probably see at least, I would say, like, 60% of the FBS turn over their starting quarterback, either through transfers or somebody going for the draft. Um, and that might even be low um, based on kind of the needs of teams out there. And it's just, it can make or break you. You said it earlier, like, and this is probably not like the biggest example in the world, but I think it's an important one is like Austin Reed from Western Kentucky. Yeah. Like Tyson Helton was in the mix for jobs this year. Like he was in the mix at UAB, but I think he was waiting to maybe get a bigger job down the line. Now, like his quarterback's gone, like several of his best offensive linemen are gone. Like, that roster's in a really bad position, and like that's a place they obviously have to reload through the portal annually anyway. But I think it's just an example of like how one or two transfer portal decisions can really affect the course of your tenure. It it really can, as we saw with USC, getting that special player at the quarterback position can really just it, it's like rocket fuel. You can pour it all over your program. So just a quick reset here. Today is the first day that the portal opens. Right, if you're an FBS player, you get one free transfer. You don't have to sit out a year. If you transfer again, unless you get an exemption or a waiver, you do have to sit out. Then you can transfer again if you actually graduate. That's called a grad transfer. If you check out our 247sports.com, 
transfer portal, you'll see those, those notations in there, whether a player is an undergraduate transfer or grad transfer, and how many years of eligibility he has left. Obviously, a great job by 24-7 Sports all day today on the transfer portal. So uh, make sure you keep it tuned for all of that continuing coverage. But let's go ahead and run down a couple of these names that we're seeing. And I'm, I'm going to start in the ACC with Devin Leary. Devin Leary had an awesome 2021, not as productive of a 2022, and then he gets hurt in that Florida State game, has the surgery in October. Uh, but already, I think we're seeing a number of schools that are going to have a lot of interest in Devin Leary. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Devin Leary, an excellent quarterback. I think some people were talking about him as a potential first round pick this year before he got hurt. I don't, I don't know if that would have ever happened, but he could have easily been a day two or three or a day two pick if he had a strong uh, season like we expected him to at NC State. Um, the future at NC State's MJ Morris, so it makes sense for both parties to probably move on in this situation. Um, I've I've been a little busy today. I haven't had a, time, a lot of time to check in, but like this was a rumored situation for a while now. And Notre Dame and Illinois are the two teams I've heard the most. Um, Notre Dame, obviously, a very QB needy team at the moment. They're kind of the big fish in that pond, at least for now. I think we'll see some other schools like Florida. And maybe even Oregon sneak in there as um, options for big name quarterbacks. Certainly, I, I, I know just just texting around, there was some speculation maybe Kentucky would be interested with with, with Will Levis off. Uh, Illinois is another one to note because yeah. his brothers on that roster and they need a quarterback. Also, uh, at one time there was a young offensive coordinator who was really excited about a kid out of New Jersey that he had pulled, and that the rest of the country wasn't offering quite quite as you know, much yet. And, and that coordinator's name was Eli Drinkwitz when he was with NC State. And now he's the head coach at Missouri. We have seen a lot of success stories in the portal with guys who you know, were coached by one guy. That guy moves on, and then all of a sudden the player follows. I think the most notable case this year is Bo Nix, who reunited mm-hmm. at Oregon with his office coordinator, Kenny Dillingham. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, this, that's a good talking point because literally before everything broke this morning, I was wondering if Drinkowitz had actually coached Leary at NC State, so that's yeah. a good doc to connect. Missouri 1,000% needs a portal QB list. More, more than any school in the SEC, in my opinion. And they will go very hard after Leary if that's the case. Like They swung and miss on several portal QBs last cycle, including JT Daniels and a couple others. Um, so if they can lean Leary, it might change the fortunes of Eli Drinkwood's tenure. It really impacted their season. We, we are seeing the ramifications of missing in the portal, right? Alabama last year, they went with Burton and they went with Harrell. Harrell couldn't get healthy this year. Bama did not have a legitimate deep threat at receiver. Burton was wildly inconsistent. and. As a result, Alabama wasted Bryce Young, right? They're not going to win. Bryce Young is not going to win a, a title now as a starting quarterback of Alabama, assuming he goes pro, which if he doesn't, we're going to be back on this desk doing another show immediately because that would be a, a huge announcement. Uh, it is important you hit on these guys. And if you miss, there are consequences. So another guy I want to talk about here, because we did see this dude play some this year. He's not leaving because of, of, of a, an injury. He's leaving because he's not the starter. But he's definitely a guy that showcased ability to start, including against that Alabama team when he had to come in in relief of Quinn Ewers, and that is Hudson Card, the Texas quarterback. Obviously, you know you know him pretty well. What what, do you, what would you say about, about uh, Hudson Card's game uh, for people who haven't seen him a lot? What would you say about Hudson Card as far as a, a potential fit at the college level? Um, I mean, Hudson's a really like he's a really talented quarterback. I think people forget he was a I think he was a top fifty prospect yeah. for us. Um, he played wide receiver in high school at Lake Travis for years an above average athlete for a quarterback. He also just like, and I know people get tired of the word arm talent, but Hudson has like a really, really talented arm. He throws a 20 yard out as well as any quarterback I've seen, at least on air. Um, 
and I've been watching QBs for a long time. Um, as terms of a fit, I think Hudson can play anywhere. Um, Texas fans probably didn't give him enough credit this year. He kept Texas afloat when Quinn Ewers was hurt. He completed 70% of his passes on a bum ankle. Mind you, he clearly elevated his game from 2021 when he struggled. Um, I know Notre Dame is interested in Hudson Card. I think a school to watch is going to be Oregon. I reported earlier today that UTSA offensive coordinator Will Stein is going to take the Oregon offensive coordinator role. Will Stein was Hudson's high school offensive coordinator, actually, at Lake Travis. Um, So if Bo Nix leaves for the NFL, Oregon would be a really natural fit for Hudson Card. Um, I think Bo Nix does want to leave for the NFL. Whether he gets the grade to do so is in question. I know he's playing in the bowl. So um, lots of lots of dots to connect there. But I think Oregon, depending on how things go, is definitely a team to watch for Hudson. Uh, another name, speaking about West, Oregon, DJ Uangale, right? Mm-hmm. Starter at Clemson, gets benched in favor of, of K. Klubnik. Clemson has a nice game. I think everybody realized that DJ was going to be on the way out for, for quite a while. I think we've openly speculated on, on cover three. And wh- where would he fit? I thought Washington would have been a good fit, but Michael Penix is coming back now to Washington. Would you expect him to end up back on the West Coast? Yeah, I I don't know if DJ knows where he's going. I'm going to be honest. Um, Just talking to people who know that family, and um, we obviously broke the story that DJ was going in the portal. Um, I think he's going to explore his options. Uh, Washington would have been an interesting fit. I think he would have been really good in that system, but obviously Penix was coming back. That's a school I had floated to me about DJ before all of this happened the last couple of days. if there's going to be a fit on the West Coast, maybe Oregon State. Like they obviously have a portal need at quarterback. Um, Jonathan Smith has a very quarterback friendly system. I think that system fits DJ better um, than what he had at Clemson. Um, this is not sourced, but I think Kentucky would be a really interesting Ooh, yeah. option for him. DJ's game is like pretty similar to Will Levis. Um, they both are excellent deep ball passers for the most part. They both struggle short to intermediate sometimes with their accuracy. They're both. I would say above average athletes. I know DJ can look a little slow, especially laterally sometimes, but he's gotten a lot quicker and he can run like Will Levis can. So I think depending on who the offensive coordinator hire is, that would be a really natural fit. And Kentucky, I think, is going to be one of the most active teams this cycle looking for a quarterback. And I don't think it's really fair to, to judge DJ solely on, on his own merit there at Clemson because, let's face it, Dabo Swinney made the controversial decision to promote from within on mm-hmm. that coaching staff after a legitimately bad 2021 offense for the Tigers. And, and, you know, in doing so, that's that's a tough call. And they don't have very much Power 5 experience outside of the Clemson Tiger program at Clemson. So in looking at that, how, how do you separate DJ from what Clemson does? I don't know. I, I bet you, though, somebody's willing to take a shot. Well, I mean, like, how did you separate Bo Nix from everybody else last year? Right. Like, we've seen, we've seen, like, this year's a great example. Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, um, Michael Penix are all quarterbacks that revitalized their career with a change of scenery. And, I mean, DJ wasn't a five-star by accident. He was right there with Bryce Young his entire high school career. These guys were one-two in that class for a reason. He has all the tools you could ever want. Like, maybe a change of scenery um, helps. Um, I mean, people are going to bring up Virginia as a potential destination, but it's not like he was great with Tony Elliott as a sophomore. I think Jeff Scott probably is going to get an offensive coordinator job somewhere. That's one to watch, given his connections there. But, again, like... I don't, Do you want to stay in that Clemson yeah, offense? Yeah, I think you want to expand your horizons a little bit. Yeah. Um, Maybe, I don't know, like Arizona State's going to need a quarterback. And this is pure speculation at this point, I will say. But like maybe Henny Dillingham takes another re- reclamation project with a normal five-star. That, that certainly could be. Uh, last quarterback, well, I guess we have two more to hit on. Austin Reed at Western Kentucky, you already mentioned, mm-hmm. came from West Florida, which is a lower division program, goes to Western Kentucky to follow what they did under OC Zach Kitley. 
maybe not quite the same numbers that they put up in 2021, but still a nice 2022. Do we think he's going to get like upper tier power five interest here? I don't, I mean, maybe. Um, Andrew Ivins was the one that was all over this this afternoon. Um, I had heard from a Western Kentucky source after Andrew texted me that it was going to happen. And I think it caught a lot of people by surprise there. Um, This is a guy who was a D2 quarterback just last year at West Florida. He was a, all-American there, national champion. But I had heard the reason why he beat, beat out Jarrett Dahey, who was the West Virginia starter the year before, was because he had the upper-level talent ceiling. So unlike a lot of other maybe D2 quarterbacks who are going to be like solid college quarterbacks, Austin Reed has the upper-level talent. Whether a really good Power 5 team wants to take a chance on that, I'm not sure. He plays in a really quarterback-friendly system. Yeah. Ben Arbuckle is one of the top up-and-coming offensive coordinators in the country. Part of a, I guess, Zach Kitley tree at this point. Um, so maybe if he can find himself in um, like an air raid system, that could be a really, oh, an air raid-ish system because Zach doesn't run a pure air raid. But that type of system might make him very successful. But I think he'll be one of the more intriguing under-the-radar names for sure. Last one we need to talk about here before we move off quarterback. Spencer Sanders, a guy who's had a ton of success and also some struggles at Oklahoma State. He just, he's gone now at this point, right? Like he's, he's not returning to Oklahoma State. He's in the transfer portal what kind of interest do we think Spencer Sanders is going to have here? Yeah, um, we we broke the Spencer Sanders news this afternoon. Um, and Spencer is somebody I've been hearing rumblings about potentially going to the portal for a month now. Um, I think there's some friction in that program with the kind of direction of the offense overall. Um, and that offense totally fell apart when Spencer got hurt. Um, you're talking about his future, and I'm sorry, I'm riffing here. No, 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 it, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. But... Um, Moving forward, I, I was texting with somebody about where Spencer could go. I don't think he has a set destination in mind um, based on talking to somebody about him. But I expect he'll have a lot of interest because you don't find four of your starting quarterbacks in the portal very often. And like it's gotten lost in Oklahoma State's offensive struggles the last few years. This used to be a top 20 offense. It was when he was a freshman and he was the quarterback. And they've lost some talent at receiver. They've lost some talent in the offensive line that's hurt him. But he's a really talented player. He was one of the most decorated recruits in Oklahoma State history when he came in. Um, I remember watching him at Den Ryan. Um, he was always a baller. If he's healthy, I think he can really help the team. And I don't like, I, I hate to keep leaning on like the Bo Nix crutch of like somebody who can revitalize their career, but I don't think they're like particularly dissimilar players. Yeah. Like they have a lot of the same qualities. And Bo, frankly, was very frustrating because he was turnover prone throughout his career. Spencer, that's been his bugaboo too. Um, so if you get him in the right system with the right quarterback coach, I think Spencer Sanders can be an amazing bridge for a year for wherever he goes. For sure. I, I, this list overall, what I'm seeing is not necessarily you know, amazing top of the first round type talent. I don't know that we have a Caleb Williams or, or Quinn Ewers on this list so far, but what we do have is experience, right? There's a lot of experience and I think college coaches are going to value that an awful lot. Okay. A couple names that we need to hit on the offensive side of the ball who don't play quarterback. Uh, Kyle Morlock, pretty interesting player here from Shorter College. When you watch his tape, it looks like a, like a high schooler playing against middle schoolers. He, <laughs> he, like he's just that much bigger and stronger. I, I saw somebody when he took an unofficial visit to Florida State yep. who eyeballed him. They're like, oh, he looks like a dude who's in the NFL who came back as one of like the NFL alumni. So he passes the eye test per this person that, that I trust. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be really in demand tight end. I know Tennessee, Florida State, a couple others are, are yep. after him. Um, if you need an inline tight end who can also catch football, Morlock's the guy to watch. Yeah, I've heard Illinois and West Virginia for him as well. Um, really interesting. I think there's a shorter connection at Tennessee, yep. um, which 
kind of helps fill that gap because they don't really utilize their tight ends that much. Um, but regardless, um, yeah, like we see, I mean, Austin Reed last year, we see a D2 player out of nowhere make a outsized impact on the power five level. Obviously, um, Morlock is not going to have that type of impact as an inline tight end. But um, tight ends, I think probably behind offensive line and quarterback are probably the most valuable thing in the portal. Maybe edge rushers as well. Everybody needs a tight end. Like everybody needs a tight end um, in the transfer portal. And I think he is a potential NFL talent and he's going to be a real difference maker, um, even if people really haven't seen him much. Another guy I want to highlight here, receiver Dante Cephas. This is a guy that I, when I make my power ratings and I adjust him, I don't typically take off many points if you lose a skill player in the MAC, right? It's pretty much quarterback only. Cephas is one of those guys, though, who does seem to matter an awful lot. He, he has size, he has speed. When you look at Kent State's offense, when he was in and out of the game, there are marked differences in terms of how effective they were, right? He's a legitimate player. I know early on we've heard some Penn State. We, we've heard some Notre Dame there. He announced last night that he was entering in the portal. So, so Cephas, to me, is a guy certainly to watch that I think is going to have a lot of Power 5 interest. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, what about AJ Cornelius? Rhode Island, offensive tackle, man. This is, uh, this is a guy that just the coaches I text with cannot stop talking about. Yeah, um, I talked to AJ Cornelius. Um, man, it's been, I don't know, it's been like a couple of days, but um, probably the most popular player in the portal, potentially. Um, he was, I think PFF graded him as the second best pass blocking tight end in the entire FCS, um, all American level player. Somebody who had really badly distributed weight coming into school, um, coming out of high school and has really adjusted his body. And now, um, pretty much, if you need an offensive tackle, you're giving AJ Cornelius a call. Um, he is a New York kid. I would not be shocked if he ended up staying in the Northeast, um, in some kind of form or fashion, but, um, he's going to take his time with his visits. I expect him to take several and I mean, never count out those in the Southeast. Like there's always other factors that go into this. Um, but I have heard some buzz that he might stay closer to home at like a Penn state. But like I said, like you never know because this stuff changes very quickly. But um, a very, good, very good player in the portal. Just trying to keep track of some of, some of this stuff. Which programs will need tackles? Ohio, there's a pretty good chance Ohio yep. State loses both yep. starting tackles to the NFL. So my guess is Ohio State needs at least one, if not two. Penn State probably needs one, right? There, there are some other really good programs that are going to need tackles. And if you look at last year in the portal, they weren't there. The supply of tackles does not meet the demand of tackles, right? And that's a problem. So oh, I had a, uh, I had an FCS coach the other day tell me that um, one of his old players at a school that he was previously at 
was their starting left tackle for a couple of years. He said he's a ter- not a terrible football player, but he was like, he's not a good football player. And then he was like, but he has seven FBS offers already. <laughs> and it's because every single person in America needs depth on the offensive line. If you stand up, you've started games, and you know how to play any position on the offensive line, you're going to have offers. One of the shrewdest moves last year, if we go back to last year's portal, Amarius Mims of Georgia, a legitimate like five-star huge tackle prospect. If he stays healthy, you're going to see his name called yeah. during the NFL draft. Georgia kept him in school somehow, and he was a backup. wonder how. For almost all, yeah, exactly, right? For almost all of this year. In the SC title game on CBS, Warren McClendon, the right tackle, goes down. Mem steps in, they don't miss a beat. Keeping your players home is also a really key thing. And I think we saw a lot of big-time names jump in today, but I think we also are going to get a really good feel now for how good is your NIL program or how bad is it? Because if you're doing the right thing, you're keeping most of your important players home. They're not jumping in the portal, at least the guys that you value. If you don't have your act together from an NIL standpoint, I think you're going to see a lot more guys hit the portal. There are certainly some teams out there who are not losing anybody mm. to the portal because they have good culture, but also because they're taking care of their people and they're paying them, right? And that's 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 huge. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think this cycle is a lot different than the last cycle for that exact reason. I think last cycle, um, especially early on, NIL wasn't a huge factor for a lot of these transfers. It's in the spring where teams like Miami started really pushing very hard for players to enter the portal and paying them to do so. I, I have no problem saying that about Miami. Like It's, it's quite sure. obvious. Um, I can think of several. When their big booster tweets about it. Yeah, their big booster is very, very active on Twitter and tweeting about it. And I can think of several instances where Miami paid mid-six figures for a player to go on the portal. Um, Like, that was a secret last year. I don't think it's a secret at this point, which John Rui is tweeting the way he does. Um, Which, good for him. Like, challenge the NCAA if you want. Like, it's your prerogative. There's no real rules around this. But um, last spring is when this started to shift. And I think Jordan Addison was kind of a catalyst with that. This year... Players have been going to schools for weeks trying to lock down more money, um, essentially negotiating with the collectives to see if they can draw more out of it. I think we're still going to see some players in the portal for leverage this year for NIL purposes. Um, it's just kind of the reality of the situation. And it's, it's where we're at. We have no regulation. Um, good for players for getting their money, but it makes things very difficult for schools that don't have, as you said, a strong NIL or a strong NIL or collective arm. Not, not to go all legal hour on cover three, but you also have an enforceability aspect to some of these contracts, right? Like what's to stop five-star Chris Hummer from signing with the school? <laughs> I'm not he, a five-star that, that he's been at. Well, five-star reporter, right? Like if you sign with 24 seven, you try to jump elsewhere, 24 seven would sue you, right? Because you'd have a non-compete. Mm-hmm. Can these collectives actually put non-competes on these kids? Can they enforce these deals or can these kids collect the bag for spring and then hop in the portal for the summer? Well, I think we might. Are, are you re- are you will- really willing to sue a player to hold him to a deal? I mean, I don't know. I think that it's a bad look for a lot of these collective. I think sometimes they're going to have to eat these deals and pay them out. Yeah, and I remember. I think it was actually at Miami where we saw some hand fighting, hand wringing about that in terms of basketball players last fall. Um, but yeah, it'll be very interesting. It's also, I mean, it's not transfer portal related, but I'll be very curious um, how high school deals are ever enforced because technically. It would not be legal for you to induce a player to go to a school via an NIL deal. And if you're suing a player for breaking the terms of an NIL deal coming out of high school, it's a difficult thing to argue that you didn't induce them to go to your school. So I think players are largely going to have carte blanche to do whatever they want after their high school deals. 
unless we see a blockbuster court case that would change the way we look at the sport. But now we're now we're just diving into yeah. Like this is but hey, it's it's the podcast. We, we we don't have any 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 breaks here. So all right, we agree, we agree that well, we don't think it's going to happen, or at least I don't think it's going to happen. If Drake May hit the portal, that would blow the sport up, right? Because the domino effect it would create. Yeah, I mean, not only would it create a quarterback domino effect, it would just create a domino effect. I, actually, Trey Scott and I, are, my editor, were talking about like what would be the nuclear sl- scenario in college football this year. And I, it's absolutely Drake May entering the portal, not because he would change the national championship race, but because I think it would give permission, even in a way Jordan Addison did not, for players to enter the portal for NIL purposes and to leverage their extreme value to a school and the open market. Because I think it would just make it okay for every star player to do it. Like if Drake left his alma mater, like not his alma mater, I'm sorry. If Drake it's left a school where school, his legacy, yeah. if Drake may left a school where he is part of a top 10 offense, he's got a really good offensive coordinator in Phil Longo. He has a proven system. He just went to the ACC championship game. Right. He didn't win it. But like if Drake may leaves, like you're signaling that every star college football player is not only in a position to just leave and go to the few teams that can win a national championship every year that they can ask for millions of dollars to do so. And I, I think it would absolutely have a massive impact on the sport if he did ever decide to do so. And I know he said his intentions are to come back. So it's probably a moot point anyway, but you never know. Yeah. I mean, it, it would set off dominoes. Cause like what, what if Ohio state got him? What, what would Brown do? Right. What if Bama got him? What, what would their guys who they certainly like within their system do? Would they actually sit around and wait for one more year as Drake may comes in? And starts. I, I guess we just have to kind of, you know, keep our eye on that just to make sure that he isn't going anywhere. But that's the one I have circled. That if that happens, like if you put him on a Bama, Georgia, or Ohio State, that team is, is the national title favorite with a bullet for next year. Right now, they all three have some level of quarterback question to me. Like that, if you take the guy who could be the number one overall pick of the draft and you throw him on a roster of that level, there it would shake up the national title race. I guess in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think. I think those teams would all pursue him, to be yeah. frank. Um, I don't have much question about that. Like, it'd be like Caleb Williams going in the portal again, except, like, and I mentioned this earlier, it's just like Jordan Addison had the, like, reasoning that his quarterback left and his offensive coordinator sure. left. Caleb Williams' head coach left. Like, but Drake May, like, doesn't have any of those um, pushes out. And, yeah, he would, he would totally – he's the best quarterback in the country besides Caleb Williams, at least as an underclassman. And – if you put him on Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia, he totally shakes up the picture for sure. All right, let's finish with this. And appreciate you guys watching us on Cover 3. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. We're with Chris Hummer here, Portal God for Cover 3. Or excuse me, well, Cover 3 today, 24-7 sports every day. Dion, Colorado. So I knew some guys on the prior Colorado staff, and they were like, uh, do you realize how hard it is to get transfers here? We have to submit a big list to admissions. And they submit a little tiny list back for who they're actually going to let us take. Now, pressure burst pipes, and Colorado seems like they're kind of desperate to win because if this, if this hire doesn't work out for Rick George, can't imagine he's going to be allowed to make you know coaching <laughs> hire number four or five yeah. there in Boulder. It seems, though, like Colorado is kind of, kind of loosening up on those transfer restrictions a little bit. They're, they're going to let, uh, let a much wider net be cast by Dion and company there in Boulder. Uh, yeah, I mean... If you're going to bring in Deion Sanders, you kind of, I, I don't mean this in a rude way, but you have to widen the net because like Deion's history is taking some, uh, not necessarily, yeah, I mean like some questionable character sure. concerns. Like if you look at the Jackson State roster, you're going to see several players who are booted from their teams in places like the SEC for things like 
I mean, I don't know the specifics. I shouldn't like speculate. Like I just remember it off the top of my head. But yeah, like Dion's always played a little loose. I mean, look at Prime Prep. Like, Guys didn't have the option to return to the SEC. School. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. Like Dion's always like. I mean, that's part. He appeals to a lot of people, and he's going to have a ton of options. And sometimes, like Dion Sanders, being who he is, can take players that other schools wouldn't be able to because he's going to like. Frankly, he's just going to receive less blowback because he's Dion Sanders. And if you're Colorado, as you said, that's been really tight with those restrictions. Like, you can't. I, I don't think you can justify paying Deion Sanders five and a half million dollars if you're not going to let him cook. You know what I mean? Right. Like, let Deion Sanders do what he does, and that's bring in talent. And like, I don't think everybody's going to necessarily agree with everybody he brings in. And like, he should get pushback for it. Like, as a media, we should try to hold people accountable. But like, it's not a Jackson State anymore. Slightly bigger spotlight, but I don't expect the formula that for him to change that much. Yeah, I, I mean, if you look at their roster, you have to think he's going to try to bring in thirty plus guys. 30 might in this be low. class, maybe 40. Yeah, right? 30 I, might be low. I mean, that that's you could have a like a roster turnover percentage of, of almost 50 percent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's that's a whole new roster you have there at Colorado. He already announced in his opening press conference that Shador Sanders, his son, is the quarterback. Which I was like, that's but the safety, his other son, maybe not. Oh, okay. Did you hear that quote? No, no. Dion Grace uh, Remington tweeted it out. Um, one of our um, anchors here at 24-7 Sports, and Dion was introducing his son. He was like, he's going to be the quarterback. And he goes, the other one, the safety, he's in my doghouse. He's not here today. And he's talking about Shiloh Sanders, former South Carolina DB. Really productive player for him at Jackson State. But, yeah, he didn't name his son by name, so who knows if Shiloh will join him. Travis Hunter last night on on a live stream said, I'm coming, coach, Mm -hmm. in in, in reference to Dion. So we, we assume he's going to Colorado with him, I think. I mean, he already said it. Yeah. I, I mean, I I had no doubt. Like, now maybe me not coming for a visit. I'm going to come hang out with you a little bit. Like, like who knows? I guess he hasn't I, officially transferred there yet. Yeah. I don't mean this in a disparaging way to Jackson State as a university, but like, if you're willing to go live in Jackson, Mississippi, and no offense to anybody who lives in Mississippi, like I enjoy my time in Mississippi. I have family members in Mississippi, but like the quality. I think people would argue the quality of life in Boulder is better than yeah. the quality of life in Jackson, Mississippi. So if he's willing to go to Jackson, Mississippi, like you could do a lot worse than Boulder, in my opinion, for two years of college when you're going to be handsomely compensated for being there. And you're going to work with arguably the greatest defensive back of all time, and you're a defensive back. So right. I would imagine he falls. What what level of player do you think Dion is going to be able to take as far as it? Clearly, he's going to get some of these guys who are SEC cast-offs, and we already know he's interested in a couple, um, you know, maybe from A&M. What, what do we think as far as is he going to be able to pull guys who are active starters? There's a lot of noise about the NIL going on at Colorado, but we haven't really seen any concrete figures about this yet. Do we think that Dion has enough NIL money to throw around to, to make real noise and, and pull guys who are starting at Power 5 programs? Or is it going to be mostly like, let's go pick off G5 starters and dudes who were not starting at P5 schools or you know maybe were starters but got dismissed for some reason? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think Dion's gonna like beat an SEC team for somebody they really, really want because of the budget. Like, but I think you can't underestimate the cool factor with Deion Sanders. And I sound ridiculous saying that, just sitting here at the desk. Um, I do not know what cool is. Like, just look at me. You know what I mean? But like players wanna play for players wanna play for Dion. So um we saw it with Travis Hunter and we saw it with Kevin Coleman, who had every SEC offer in the world. They both chose to go to Jackson State regardless. And you're going to see high school players do the same thing. And you're also going to see transfers doing the same thing. I'm hearing several transfers that could end up at Colorado that I never would have expected. And that's because of Dion. So uh, 
Speaking of Dion in Colorado, uh, probably the last thing on, on today's show. Really appreciate Chris Hummer giving us his time after a long nine-hour broadcast schedule. Uh, Sean Lewis, uh, Jordan in my ear is telling me, producer Jordan is telling me that Sean Lewis has accepted the uh, offensive coordinator spot at Colorado. I think that was first reported by by Pete Thamel. Uh, that's a really interesting and exciting offense to run. I mean, that that is that uh, uh, veer and shoot, if you will, what 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 Tennessee runs. What Oklahoma runs, variations of it run by Ole Miss. I, I do think that'll help Dion get attract some playmakers, get one-on-one opportunities on the outside, and you'll have to see exactly how well Shador throws it in that system. But I think it probably fits them pretty well. That's that's kind of an inspired hire to go to go pick a an active Mac coach to be your offensive coordinator. Although we have seen it before, uh, was and we it, saw and we almost saw it happen last year with Candle, right? Candle. Yeah. So that, I think that's a that's a pretty pretty nice get for Dion there. As yeah, see. I mean, I mean, yeah. Uh, Sean Lewis is an excellent head coach. Um, I don't know if he felt like his he had hit a bit of a ceiling at Kansas. It's State. Such a tough job. Yeah, it's a really difficult job. But I mean, he runs kind of a variation of that beer and shoot that Art Briles inspired. Um, he's been ultra productive in the MAC um, since he's been there. I really turned around a program that's in difficult shape. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's inspired. I. I think it's interesting. I know Sean Lewis was in the mix for other jobs. Like I think he was in the mix at AM, for example. Um, so like picking Colorado is quite the statement for Colorado, I think. Because not only not only like a positive for Deion Sanders, but also a statement about like the funds Colorado has to throw around for potential coordinator hires. He could have uh, he could have potentially had Wisconsin as well, I think. I mean, or at least was in the mix for that if he didn't get the Cincinnati head coaching job. All right, yeah. guys. Really appreciate everybody watching us here on the Cover 3 Podcast. This has been your 30-minute recap of the first day of Transfer Portal Palooza. I'm sure we'll have even more studs jump in the portal in the coming weeks and then obviously for the spring window as well. Follow Chris Hummer. Stay tuned for all your exciting portal news and make sure you guys like and subscribe to the channel. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.